Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. My interview today is with Isaac Julian. He's an artist and Dr. Sarah Diamond uh, from OCAT University here in Toronto. And we were talking about a whole lot of things. We were talking about installation art. We were talking about things like porous institutions and about aesthetic tools and about indigenous voices and about complex new media projects and a whole lot of really uh, interesting things. But what we really got together today to talk about was the global experience uh, project, something that's going on with young contemporary artists at OCAD. I think you're going to want to, want to uh, pay close attention to this interview. There's a lot going on, and I think uh, this is a, a conversation that is touching on some pretty um, interesting and some pretty hard-hitting uh, issues. So uh, stay tuned for uh, the interview coming up with Isaac Julian and uh, Dr. Sarah Diamond. And don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my own uh, podcasting, my writing and, and, and my speaking. And of course, rabble.ca. You can also support what I'm doing here at Face to Face through patreon.com. And stay tuned for a very interesting conversation about uh, everything that's poetic and lyrical. How's that uh, as a uh, way into our conversation with Dr. Sarah Diamond and Isaac Julian? Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by very two special guests here to, uh, this morning in Toronto on the day that it's supposed to snow. It sure doesn't look like that when I'm looking out the window right now, but Isaac Julian is here with us and uh, Dr. Sarah Diamond. Thank you both for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Very happy to be here. So we are we are uh, we're on Richmond Street. We're in Toronto. Uh, we, we've just before the microphone, uh, before the tape recorder was turned on. You were talking a little bit about OCAD and about realist. Tell uh, Dr. Diamond, tell us about yourself a little bit, and 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 where we're at, and why is it that OCAD is slowly taking over 
the city of Toronto? <laughs> um, well, we're on Richmond Street West, and uh, we're in my office, so we're looking north, and we can see our very iconic um, Sharp Center for Design, uh, designed by the British ar architect Will Alsop. And so that's where our campus starts at Dundas and McCall. And we wind down McCall Street. We've got a number of buildings there. Um, hop over to um, Richmond and Duncan. And then we will be soon within the Mervish Gary building when it opens on King Street West. And uh, in 2018, we're opening the beginning of a campus on the Toronto waterfront. So, um, you know, it's an urban campus. It's a university that's very much about um, the experience of um, place. Uh, whether it's indigenous place or um, whether it's about um, the ways that artists and designers work with, with context. Um, and so our strategy, in part because of the reality of real estate you know, in Toronto, has been to occupy um, spaces where our students can have a lot of integration with the urban fabric of the city. Um, we're a, a very porous institution. We love to engage with nice. um, cultures, with, um, um, with both art and design making. And we have a phenomenal research capacity that um, also is very much about whether it's art for social change, um, understanding um, the kind of historical and critical contexts of the global world that we're in, in the incredibly diversity of Toronto. Or um, the other piece of the work that we've expanded into is um, next generation technologies, digital, you know, cultural analytics, lots of work on the STEM, STEAM plus D side all of which has an integration and is another reason to spread out. From a real estate perspective, it kind of sounds like an art installation project in and of itself. Would you, would you agree with that, Isaac? Oh, it sounds absolutely wonderful. And I think there's a way in which what ACAT is doing is really, well, they're leading the way, I think, in terms of art education, in terms of the development of art culturally, which is, of course, now a global cultural industry. And... Uh, in a way, you have to be able to train young people um, to be able to take that on, you know, because it's very exciting and expanding phenomena. Why Why are you here today with us, Isaac? I, I, I want to hear a little bit about your work, uh, installation artist, filmmaker. Um, I, I've read quite a bit about you now. There's there's a lot of ways we we could go. I'm sure uh, I'm sure you might even want to comment on on the, on the notion of OCAD being a porous institution. I bet I bet thoughts are, are bubbling to the surface. It's a, a lovely phrase, by the way. I, I want I maybe dig into that a little bit. Well, I guess you could say that my practice has been rather porous in terms of different approaches to both filmmaking, to thinking about the way that filmmaking originated in the cinema and then transformed really into the gallery setting. And that transformation really taking place because of the way in which new technologies transformed the way I was working. And so I think there's a way in which we can see, even in my own work, this development. And this development really occurred because of the way that new technologies changed the way we looked at moving images. Do you think, Isaac, do you think it's the technology that drew you to the... The, the the context or the the voice or the platform or was it your desire to say a particular thing or to communicate a particular thing and you chose what was ready to hand well i think that i began making works because there was the desire to see oneself in an image and then i think that transformed into the possibility to be able to create different images that would 
be doing something unusual and interesting. And so I think the two things coalesced and that's perhaps why I went from a filmmaker to an installation artist. I, th I mean, I think one of the reasons why Isaac's work is so important um, historically, and we've known each other for a couple of decades, actually two to people. Oh, nice, nice. Um, Goes way so back I've, I've had a chance to watch the evolution, but one of the reasons the work's so important and so important for our students is that, you know, you have this ability to um, touch on very hard-hitting issues that are um, of global impact. I mean, whether it's the the North um, and the nature of, you know, our imaginary about the Arctic and then the realities in this context of climate change and discovery and, um, you know, the invisibility of um, issues of, of race and um, looking at um, the terrible diaspora that's happening because of global warfare. But you do this, and you do this, in a way that is elegiac. There's always a level of you know, the fantastic, the imaginary, the choreographic. Um, so that that amazing ability to manage between um, what could be hard documentary realism um, and, um, you know, this phenomenal, fictional, very beautiful world of the image um, that flows and reminds us and penetrates into our minds in a way where we actually care about these questions in a way that sometimes documentary doesn't allow. I mean, I, I think that approach, that capacity is incredibly important. And, um, you know, what I've observed is that um, with, uh, with young people today, like our students, um, they're very concerned about the world. And they don't always have the aesthetic tools to manage these issues in ways that can engage broad audiences um, and allow a sense of, possibility and optimism. So um, I'm seeing a kind of reversion to, you know, kind of very simplistic documentary methods. And um, both Isaac and I come out of a kind of critique of that practice. And so this moment of having you here is particularly poignant. I think. Sarah, you don't talk to, uh, like a president of a university or of somebody who has a PhD in Correct me if I'm wrong here. Computing, information technology, and engineering. Yeah. What what ha what happened? Where did oh, you go so wrong? <laughs> well, I started out as um, a social historian, and I became a media artist because I felt that um, um, using kind of traditional means of communication wasn't effective in speaking to the people about whom I was making history. So you know. There's now an indigenous saying, nothing about us without us. Um, um, but that's been a kind of principle of certain kinds of history making from for many decades. In fact, kind of came up British um, social history framework. Um, and so I kind of fell into doing media-based work. Um, and then some of that became autobiographical as well. Um, and um, through that process, um, I just, like many artists do, I just tinkered and picked up a whole set of skills. Um, which had to do at some point with, with computation. Um, and then I um, moved to the BAM Center and I was leading the whole big area of new media research and media art and visual art. And um, um, I felt that um, I needed to understand what it was to make very complex new media projects. So um, I had something I wanted to do and it turned out that to make it I needed to build some software 
And so in that way that artists do, and Isaac is nodding his head in agreement because he knows exactly what I'm talking about, um, yeah. I, I learned how to architect software systems. And um, then at a certain point in time, I thought, well, um, I'm getting older here and I need to really exercise my brain. So I went back to school and did a PhD where I was able to reverse engineer <laughs> You know what what I learned empirically, and um, and it was in the field of now what's called machine learning, AI, neural networks. Um, so I find myself in this funny moment where um, there's a lot of discourse around that whole space, and it's quite mystifying. So history. I'm wondering when you're going to start turning your eyes towards science fiction writing, because it sounds like <laughs> we've got a, a you know like some sort of uh, yeah real interesting mix going on here, and and you might be ready for it by the sounds of it. Well, you know, I feel like the whole project of Oakhead University is science fiction writing. I mean, you talked about right. um, it as an art installation. When I started my presidency, which is now 12 years ago, I actually described it. And I described my work at the Bam Center, um, that I approached it as being um, a conceptual artist. You know, that it was like, how do you have a vision? What tools do you need? How do you find the right tools? You know, how do you work with the people? How is it meaningful? So... Um, I still have a bit of that, even though, you know, I've become more of a pragmatist and right, it's many right, years later, right? right? <laughs> so just Sarah's amazing, really. I mean, it's absolutely amazing to have someone like Sarah, you know, head a cat into the future and the way that you've been able to, you know, in a way, almost make an artwork out of what you're doing. It's absolutely astonishing. And uh, I mean, it's very exciting, very exciting. Well, quite quite a blend of of, of um, hmm, the mathematics of technology, I would think, yeah, with the art of it, which is really interesting. You know, to to refer to uh, OCAD as a porous institution. I mean, I, I think we could do a we could do a whole interview just on that alone. Uh, I think it's it's fascinating. Well, it's important to understand the demographics of our students, and um, maybe. Um, That'll be something that Isaac can also come back to and talk about, you know, um, within his work. Um, but um, we have a phenomenally diverse student population. The majority of our students are racialized. We have a significant number of Indigenous students. Um, part of that is the nature of the GTA and part of the, the Toronto area. Sure. And, yep. um, um, you know, part of that is very intentional as increasingly as we move to try and really build that cosmopolitan campus that's both um, Ontario, but also we have a significant number of international students, some of whom are working with Isaac, and I believe an Indigenous student is also part of the Global Experience Project. So that porosity is of a human nature, um, but it's also um, you know a way of saying let's not be inward-looking as an art and design mm. school, even though that tradition of the studio is very much about you know self-discovery and self-exploration and. Some of that is real right. and valuable, but uh, it become, can become very narcissistic when it's placed outside of um, the context of contemporary life. So we really nice. do believe, um, and we just went through a mission and vision, vision and mission process, and what was remarkable is the way that um, you know there was this deep sense of sightedness and need to engage across our faculty and students it's fantastic. and the it entire really institution. Is. And, I don't think OCAD uh, was there 15 years ago. I think it's made that turn for lots of reasons, and it's not just me. It's, it's you know, and it's also a design school as well as an art school, so designers Ooh. tend to be, you know, the receptor-focused and think about that artist maybe 
historically less so, although I would say that's something that's changed significantly in, in the way artists work. And mm -hmm. Isaac, again, would be an exemplar of that ability to think about, you know, like, again, going back 20 years and then consistently, like, who, who, are, who are your audiences? And you're part of that whole movement of black arts in the UK that shifted the nature of who was being addressed who had the right to be addressed in a, in a, in a gallery, right? Isaac, I've read that you're a frustrated painter. Uh, <laughs> what, is that what drove you to, uh, would you say that was one of the reasons that drove you more towards technology, more towards the image, more towards the moving image and the installation sort of aspect of the work that you, art, art, artful work that you do? Well, you know, I think I was a typical art student. In you were a difficult art student. Typical. And perhaps oh, oh, typical. Typical art student. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's be clear about that. Maybe difficult, but clearly typical. Well, you know, I mean, I studied painting, but of course, you don't. When you graduate, you, you well, when I graduated, which is quite a long time ago, um, doing painting, well, that wasn't very core. Cool. Much, much, much more core cool to actually make films and to make works which would somehow communicate to the world. And of course, what happened really was that. Um, I guess 15 years later, because of the advent of new technologies, uh, it became so interesting to be able to make multiple screen works and all of the languages which were developing through new technologies in a way became the kind of raison d'etre for making works in a gallery context because in a way I was really interested in creating new audiences. And so that's been something that's been at the forefront of my work, making works for audiences which weren't really being viewed as an audience as such. And then once that felt it was established to a certain extent to think about new audiences and a new generation of people who might look at your work. So are you, are you talking about more like the uh, uh, my, my kids, for instance, like a younger generation? Or are you talking about a, a, um, a, a different art, um, hmm. a different approach to the experience itself and say, well, you know, paintings don't really speak to me, but maybe an installation piece might. Precisely, yes. I think there's really the idea of sort of being able to um, encapsulate questions which might be mm. quite, in a way, framed in a rather what I would call old-fashioned language and wouldn't be able to attract a younger audience or an audience that might want to view things or be pushed to view things in a different manner. So if I take, for example, um, a work like Western Union Small Boats, it's a work which was made in 2007, which is shown at the ROM 10 years ago, and it's um, addressing these questions of migration, the movements of people from North Africa to Southern Europe. And of course, this is now quite commonplace as a media event. But when I made it 10 years ago, I mean, this was not something that people were really interested in, in terms of the media generally. And so, um, but making the work, I was able to think about the form. And Sarah and I met around these questions of approaches to documentary filmmaking. And my work was always much more poetic or lyrical in the approach to these questions. And I think that was because I wanted to create empathy with identification with subjects which might be quite difficult for people to identify with and so um, you have to move beyond the kind of more informational mode of presenting 
these sorts of questions. Is, it, is this the kind of thing that you're trying to do? Uh, and this question is for both of you, for sure. With the Global Experience Project, would you say this idea of, of, of you know, the form versus content, uh, having people asking new questions in new ways, in different ways, um, you know, when you mentioned the uh, empathy, I thought of, you know, maybe one of your installations might actually create a motion of anger in me. I might be upset about something, but the idea of that drawing me in in a particular way might lead to an empathetic response down the road. Because isn't art really cumulative in that sense, would you say? I mean, there's about 16 questions within that. Um, uh, I'll run on sentence, just so you know. Answer any one of them. Well, can I talk about that? Please do, of course. Of course, yes. Um, because it's a really important initiative at, at the school, and, and Isaac is our um, first artist um, engaged in this project, and it builds on something that was the nomadic residency project where artists would come in for a week or two, um, and they would approach um, the kind of nature of um, the way that art is displaced in the world and global, and um, that there's these questions that are outside of the sort of formal um, practices of art making that needed to be integrated. So uh, the Weinbaum Family Foundation supported that, still does. And then they expanded the relationship um, with the school to say, well, let's do something at a whole other level, which is to bring in you know, one of the world's current leading artists, so one of the people who are within that spectrum, and an artist who is really um, thinking about um, the nature of global life and experience and challenges and questions in the 21st century, um, and who has managed to do that at the level of, um, you know, uh, both content but form um, as well. And, you know, it's something I spoke to earlier, which is um, the really pressing need for us um, in an area of, in a world of what I would describe new materialities of, of the digital, where so much is ephemeral, so much is fast, so much is happening to us, to be able to frame art practices in ways that are really um, able to manage that complexity mm -hmm. and also are meaningful and, and have emotional impact. And um, that some of the um, ways that you know, reductionist strategies don't necessarily work well. Nice. Sometimes they do, sometimes they're very important. Um, so an artist like Isaac, who, you know, has this rich history of practices, started with the Sankofa Collective, years of his own work, was the central artist at uh, the Venice Biennale, by the way, two years ago. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, kicking off and framing the discourse at Venice, you know, who has that capacity to ask questions, and, and do, but do it in a way where, remember, this is in part to address students. Sure. As well as have an Ontario... An, an, so, so know, I read putting young. Impact. I put. I read yeah. putting young contemporary artists on the map. That's yeah. kind of the line uh, connected to this whole global experience project. Could could you get a little more practical about it? And how many how many students? Uh, it, yeah. it, I mean, are we talking about a formal sort of mentoring process? Yeah. You know, yeah. mentorship yeah. is fascinating yeah. to so, me, especially when talking about the arts. How do you mentor an artist? Right. Well, I have to say that one student yesterday made a remarkable work in progress. She's from Hong Kong originally and the work that she made was the kind of work that I think we all gasped because it was a young woman's response to the way in which the West has permeated the whole kind of image landscape through advertising with brands 
in such an incredibly dominant manner that, I mean, I think for young women um, from this part of the world, it must be impossible to imagine yourself without a Chanel bag of several chain tea. And she made this wonderful work, which was really a work which was looking at what it feels like to be a young woman in this part of the world with this onslaught of brand placement. And it was a beautiful piece. And I think it's so exciting to see that and to be able to, in a way, slightly guide where this work could go, where it could develop, and to give the possibility for certain aesthetic nuances to be developed that would better that piece in some way. And so I have to say it was astonishing. So at, at that point, your role is, to, uh, is, is as the expert or as the, uh, the, the mentor is to ask, ask new questions, ask different questions, gently guide, affirm, I would imagine, uh, and, and build a really, I would imagine, pretty positive space to create. Absolutely. And so, um, I mean, there's always something that you learn, you know, when you're doing something like this. And it's really this opportunity to experience things from a young person's point of view than yourself in relationship to how they're responding to the world. I've always been fascinated, Isaac, by uh, the, 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 the experience of art, the, the installation piece of the architecture of OCAD as it expands out into Toronto. The, the idea of this young woman from Hong Kong, the, the, the artful experience that she's uh, uh, going through, right? These, these epiphantic moments, these, these discoveries... And then she's going to present it to the world. I mean, to me, that's really quite nuanced and remarkable. Speaking of porous. No, it's incredible. And it's fantastic to be able to link what she's doing to sort of analog technologies like film, connect it to filmmakers like the late Chantal Ackerman, um, her wonderful film, News from Home, the form of letters to her mother, and this young woman um, student now who's making a work based on letters to her mother and just to make those connections but then just the way in a technological sense an aesthetic sense the way she's developing that and to be able to bring a point of view where you can help nurture those perspectives it's really fantastic so one of the criteria for um, the Global Experience Project is that the artists that we choose need to have significant um, teaching experience, mentorship experience. And, you know, Isaac um, is the, has been the chair of global art at the Arts uh, University of the Arts London. It's one of the most prestigious um, art institutions in the world. I mean, you have extensive mentorship and teaching experience. So the ability to ensure that the global fellows, because the students compete for a fellowship, and um, there will be uh, 10 fellows um, going forward um, who work with each artist. And, um, you know, they're creating artworks. There's a studio critique opportunity. Um, Our curatorial program also worked on the installation um, with the ROM. So these institutional partnerships for us are really exciting with this program, opportunities to have exhibitions for artists, et cetera, as we plan forward. Um, and then the students will return to um, London with Isaac, and they will 
spend some time with you in your studio um, and exploring the city, which I've had the pleasure of doing with Isaac. Um, Isaac, in the, in the studio or in the pub? I mean, let's be clear. <laughs> or in the club. Yes, yeah, yes. Maybe the club. The okay, club, okay. The club, not the pub. Okay, okay, okay. Just wanted, just wanted to get that out on the table, all right, before, before we move on. Yeah. yeah. So this is, um, you know, this is um, a very um, special opportunity for students, and it's not driven by... Um, uh, you know, it's it's their their ability to be a fellow is is really it's a meritocracy. It, it's driven by their ability to be successful in entering that program, um, because thanks to um, the Weinbaum Foundation, there's support for the students to participate, and and of course for the artists. So I think we're we're creating a new kind of framework for what that global practice and dialogue can be. And um, when you think about the distribution of the young women's work that you were speaking about. Like, is that a Canadian audience? Is that a audience right. in Hong Kong? I mean, you know, it's it's a it's again is that a YouTube channel? Um, so there's so many opportunities to, to think about where um, that work can make a meaningful intervention. Is it a billboard intervention? You know, in Hong Kong, given you know the kind of regime of, of dominant images. So um, I think that's part of the desire with the program as well as to think about you know how does work circulate. In the 21st century, and what are the opportunities? Well, OCAD's going global, clearly, but I guess art, in a sense, has gone global to some degree, hasn't it? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Isaac. Well, absolutely, because one of the things we're doing is also bringing the students to Venice, and that coincides with a presentation I'm going to be doing in Venice. And also, when they come to London, I have an exhibition that's on at the same time at Victoria Mirror Gallery. So I think there's a way of connecting globally, but also I think for young students these days, it's really important for them to also have the experience of being able to um, see what are the different aesthetic strategies and practices which are taking place on the global stage, because we're dealing really with students who look at everything on the internet, but there's nothing better than being face-to-face with the work, and that experience of being face-to-face with work is very, very important, especially thinking about the presentational aspects and the many platforms I think that students these days want to show on. So, you know, it could be on the internet, it could be kind of um, on Facebook, I mean, it could be on so many different platforms. And the gallery museum, in a sense, is just one space, but there are lots of different approaches that they need to have a certain familiarity with. I find it interesting that you f- you feel like that the face to face is 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 better the the in person. So so an online exhibition for you might not be quite as meaningful for a person. Is that is that what I heard you said? Jean Baudrillard, the French philosopher, you know, he would talk about you know this idea of the simulacra, the hyper reality. Mm-hmm. So if you take a picture of a picture, it's you're just, it's just a simulation of a simulation, right? <laughs> and you're losing that sense of I don't know. The tangible sense of the piece or or the engagement, but I, I think I heard that you've. I mean, global experience is way more, I guess, inclusive, right? Than 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 that. Um, I guess the other th- the other thought I had is, you know, an online exhibition has kind of an oxymoronic edge to it. You know, an exhibition usually means you walk through and you take your time and you stand in front of and right. We're back to painting, well, right? Yes, to a certain extent, but I think in a way it's not an either or really. I think for a younger generation, I really think they're thinking about multiple platforms and the advantage to all the different ways. And I think, yes, I mean, I think, you know, you 
we were talking yesterday about students making multiple screen works or a single screen version of a work. It could show in a film festival context, it could show in the museum context, gallery context, or it could show on the internet. And so I think they're not differentiating in the way that we might, in an older generation, have differentiated. There's also, um, you know, there's a really important history of artists' work um, on the internet in that space and, uh, you know, beginning 20 years ago. Um, and a lot of those were, you know, interventions and ways of creating glitches within our expectations of online work. And it's become, I think, a very sophisticated space of practice that's trying to, um, I'm trying to not make this overly theoretical, but trying to look at the internet as a material space that has real effects and impacts on our lives. So there is a generation of artists who have contained their performance art solely to the internet to try and, you know, look at, like, what is the content of performance on the internet? I mean, it's all kinds of, you know, pushed media, it's pornography, it's etc., etc. So um, I think it's actually a very important space for artwork not only to be marketed or represented from its other forms, which is a bit of what we were talking about before, but actually a space of very meaningful engagement and, and, and interruption by artists. Nice. And way too early to tell yet how it's really going to tease out, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many opportunities here, and, and, and the technology is changing all the time, and the opportunity, I would imagine, in the platform, and the space itself, I would think, is, is really uh, in, yeah. like probably the, going to be in a constant state of yeah, flux, the, the I suppose. So, the software I developed right. was an artwork. Right. It was called Code Zebra, and it, and it had different iterations, and it was an online space that um, allowed discourse to be represented through effective, um, i.e. emotional analytics of chat, and then with this whole set of images and almost characters that emerged through that, and then it was connected to performance and wearable technologies and all of that, but that was very much in that era of the 90s and turn of the century um, of really thinking about, you know, how can we make the internet a different kind of space, and it's been, you know, highly commercialized, um, you know, since that time, um, but I think artists are still very activist within that context mm -hmm. and, and need to be within virtual reality, within gaming, within... So there's a whole set of practices in that emerging world that are, you know, I think particularly um, attractive to maybe this generation of artists. Um, and I think what's exciting about having Isaac here is also in some ways pulling them out of that space, <laughs> you know, into the really amazing power of materiality and large screen, very, very powerful projected artwork where you're really enveloped by the work at the ROM. It's stunningly beautiful installation. And you, you sit and you spend the time and you want to spend the time. Um, I've been back there a number of times and observed the audiences. And, you know, there's kids there um, just entranced and very, you know, culturally diverse families and so there is a, a kind of power to the immediacy, but it's not something you can touch. I mean, these are screens right. we're talking about, right? Right. right. <laughs> Isaac, tell us a little bit about the installation. It's it's uh, at the ROM. Uh, Going to be here till the I, I believe be able to check online for the dates exactly. But uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it? You, you you sound to me like the type of artist who takes on some pretty serious uh, serious issues. Yes, I mean, in a way, I think connected, obviously, to my own background, because um, I come from a background where my parents migrated to England. In a way, these questions around migration 
are quite, in a way, felt. And so it's really trying to think about a way of making these questions become, as I said, more emphatic or people can feel more empathy towards these questions, but at the same time utilising um, technologies to try to create that kind of identification. And so the use of multiple screens is really um, a practice that grew out of filmmaking. And at the same time, in the work, I was very interested in trying to utilise these different approaches. So the question of choreography, of dance, of um, the relationship to um, looking at architectural spaces and locations that create a way of trying to think through these questions in a different manner from the ways they're ordinarily presented in the media. And so for me it's been very important to try to create these new ways of identification to these questions. Because um, at the moment, facing the fact that England is leaving Europe, <laughs> Brexit um, came about because of people's um, relationships to these questions around migration, in fact. And so um, we can see this retrogressive step um, back um, at a point where really we should be looking outwards, you know, into the world, instead of stepping back and moving inwards into one's sense of identity. And so it's, it's really very important, I think. We, seem to, we do seem to be building boundaries and not breaking them down currently, pretty much worldwide on some levels. And yet I think maybe, I don't know if you'd agree, but isn't that where maybe the Internet, the digital online exhibition, the all of a sudden you've got this uh, digital opportunity. That you, you, I mean, I, I do a lot of international development work in Southeast Asia. I mean, you can go into a rural community in, in, in Cambodia and in, in on the Thai border and somebody could be enjoying one of your pieces in a different way, of course, but still having access to something that, you know, who would have dreamed, you know, 10 years ago that this could be possible? Well, it's, it's one of those, you know, the, the complexities of our time is about the kind of penetration of, of global brand culture and mass culture and at the same and how that does transform the local but also the incredible value and resonance of specific lived experience and locality and, and how those pieces play out um, you know as culture emerges I mean I think one of the things that Isaac does that's very important is allow us to reinterpret histories as they've been given us. So, um, you know, looking at the discovery of the Arctic through the eyes of a black explorer who was marginalized from history and yet played a very important role um, allows a whole other point of entry into how that history has been written. And um, um, again, in you know, what we are teaching at OCAD University, we're in a process of really looking at um, the truth and reconciliation process in Canada, mm. an Indigenous culture, right. language experience, and how you don't get much more important than how that. Stories, you know, can be <clears throat> stories of multiplicity, and how these can be rethought and retold, you know, from the perspective of Indigenous peoples, worldviews constructed by Indigenous languages, because language is so determinant in, in how we understand culture and ideas. So that's a very important component and that requires the willingness to step back and you know rethink um, you know how we, how our history is made and that takes me back. I mean part of why I've always loved Isaac's work is you know I come out of 
that history, that history of being a social historian and understanding that ideas are constructs, constructs, technologies are constructs, things are not, they're not neutral. You know, they come out of the ways that realities get produced by people and conditions and mm. circumstances. So, um, and th those interpretations and readings can, can change and be transformed in significant ways and also become relevant. You know, things that are of the past retrieve a kind of relevance sometimes, and it's right. important to look at that again. I hate the fact that we've got to end this interview in a couple of minutes, <laughs> and I'm hoping that maybe we can do a part two. And I'm also wondering, probably the most important question here today, Isaac, is are you willing to take on any new students? <laughs> because you've won me, you've won me over here in in 35 minutes or less. I uh, yes, please. Yeah. Can I just say um, I really encourage people to, of course, see Isaac's work. Also, um, our um, Gradex, which is our na our our annual student exhibition, opens on May the third. 100 Great. McCall, etc. And if you want to see the next generation of Oakhead nice. University talent um, across art, design, digital, all kinds of great work, um, it's a great opportunity for people in the GDA to, to come and see. What, what a delight meeting you both. I can't believe that we've had this kind of a conversation before 11 a.m. in the morning. I mean, right. how amazing is that? <laughs> well, it's fantastic. Um, I could listen to Sarah Waddell, of course. And it's fantastic to be reunited in this way. <laughs> So thank you so much. Well, thank you for your time today, Dr. Sarah Diamond and Isaac Julian here at OCAD in Toronto. Please check out uh, the ROM. It's uh, Isaac's work and online, OCAD University. Thanks so much to both of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Isaac. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.